0: Welcome to My Ed Expert, specializing in what's possible in education. By merging research, practice, and passion, we provide insights from top educational thought leaders for right-now implementation. Now, here's your host, author Susie Pepper-Rollins.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today. Helping our students be better prepared for high-stakes math tests is our topic. And while our expert, Dr. Steve Warner, has a focus on the math portion of college entrance exams, such as the SAT, the ACT, the AP Calculus exam, many of the tips he's going to share can be applied to other high-stakes tests as well. Today, we're going to talk about effective preparation, some tactics to use while taking an exam, and how to manage some of that test-taking anxiety. Hello, Dr. Warner. I'm so excited to learn from you today.
0: Hello. How are you?
1: Right. So glad you're here. I'm going to tell everybody just three things about you, but you have such an impressive resume here. But Dr. Warner has a PhD in mathematics. He's a math professor. He's the founder of Get 800. He's an expert in preparing students for the math portion of standardized tests. He has written over 20 bucks on the subject. He has used the feedback from his thousands of students to develop a unique system to drastically improve students' math scores in a short period of time. That is an interesting area of expertise, Dr. Warner. Where in the world did this passion for helping students score higher on these high-stakes tests, where did that all start?
0: Well, it all began way back uh, when I was in high school when I started helping various friends and acquaintances study for their math tests, and I had a lot of success with that. And by the time I was starting college, I'd already tutored uh, well more than 100 students. I actually uh, started college as a computer science major, but I quickly realized in, I think, my first semester that my passion was really for teaching math. I uh, I got my PhD, and uh, in 2001, I started working as a professor. And about that same time, I also started teaching SAT math classes For a local group in staten island Uh, staten island is in new york for those who don't know and that's where i grew up a few years after working for this local group i kind of branched out on my own and i started running my own sat prep classes and during this time i was always just keeping track of what was and what wasn't working and all of this information i received eventually turned into my first sat math book which i released back in 2011.
1: Well, that's really interesting. And before we sort of dive into actual tips uh, for getting higher scores, I want to just sort of lay the foundation of why does the preparation really matter? I mean, is there evidence out there that students who prep a certain way do better than students who maybe just just take the exam?
0: Yeah. Well, unfortunately, um, the skills required to do well on standardized tests tend to be a little bit different from the skills necessary to do well on tests that you would take in a classroom setting. Uh, For example, for a a lot of the harder questions on standardized tests, students are really rewarded if they use a little bit more of -of outside-of-the-box thinking rather than doing things the way they would in school. And because time is such a huge factor on standardized tests, it's not enough to just be able to solve problems. Students really need to be able to solve problems quickly and to do it quickly without making a lot of careless errors because they're rushing. So, you know, to be really good at all of these things does require a little bit of training.
1: So let's let's talk a little bit about some specific tips here um, to get higher scores. How much time do you think students need to start dedicating to prepare for a big standardized test like that?
0: Well, I always recommend that students try to begin the, the main part of their preparation about, three to four months before taking their test for the first time. This is enough time to really show a significant score improvement. And it's not so much time that there's a risk of the student getting burnt out from, you know, just preparing way too much because this burnout could actually have a negative effect on the student's score. Uh, Also, it's best when preparing to try to keep individual study sessions as short as possible I personally find that I like blocks of about 10 to 20 minutes um, because, you know, people tend to retain most of the information from the very beginning and the very end of study sessions. So by keeping study sessions nice and short, you're going to retain almost all of the information that you learn during that session.
1: So let's say time's kind of gotten away from a student. They realize, hey, I don't have three to four months before the test. Do they just study a lot longer for the last week? What do you recommend at that point?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question because unfortunately, this comes up way more than I wish it did. But uh, it's true that um, many students don't give themselves enough time or they they might come to me when the test is just a few weeks away. In this case, I, I still always strongly suggest that study sessions remain short about 20 minutes at most. But what we could do is we could increase the number of these 20-minute study blocks every day. So, for example, if a student has just one month before the test, they might want to do three 20-minute study sessions per day, uh, keeping them as far away from uh, from each other as possible. For example, maybe do 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the afternoon, and then 20 minutes later in the evening.
1: Okay, so I really like that advice because that sounds doable. So if we start three to four months ahead, 10, 20 minutes a day, if you're starting a month mm-hmm. ahead, short spurts, maybe three times a day, you know, morning, noon, and night, and, and break it up. I, I love that. So now yep. let's talk about what's the best way for them to use their time. So how should they use their time in the most effective way to get ready?
0: Our students should spend most of their time practicing problems, and, and the problems that they practice are very important. They should always focus on problems that are at and slightly above their current ability level. And ideally, I like students to try to do this independently in each of the major subject areas. So, for example, on the SAT, maybe a student who's really strong and hard of algebra and weak in geometry, they might focus on the harder algebra questions and the easier geometry questions. Um, I also recommend that students always practice solving problems using as many different techniques as possible. The more strategies you know, the more likely you'll be able to solve a new problem that you haven't seen before. Because every time a problem comes up, it's a new problem. Uh, And of course, uh, it's also important to take a few practice tests. I recommend doing about four to six practice tests before the first test that they take, one every few weeks. Uh, One thing um, that Happens A lot of students actually wind up taking too many practice tests. If you're just taking test after test, that's really not a very efficient way to prepare. As I've already said, most study time should be spent in these short 10 to 20 minute blocks, practicing the types of problems that will be most helpful for improving that student's uh, score in particular.
1: Okay, so that's some really solid advice. Can you just expound a little bit on the, uh, give us some, uh, an example of when you talked about different ways to
0: solve problems? Um, yeah, so when a student's solving a problem, I always recommend that they try to think about uh, at least four different ways that they might be able to solve it. Uh, one, could they do it using a s- specific strategy that works for standardized tests in general? Could they uh, try to do it the quickest way that they could think of? the way that they might do it in school is another way. And maybe also try to do it the easiest way, the way that they understand the best for them. Uh, now, th- these, uh, these do not have to be mutually exclusive. So, in some problems, some of these methods might be the same. And, uh, you know, each of these methods might not be relevant to every problem. It's just a general guideline, you know, as a starting point. Uh, for example, like in lots of algebra problems, sometimes you could do it by picking numbers, you know, that would be sort of an unconventional strategy method. And then you could also sort of just go through the algebra step by step the way you would do it in school. And you could do that formally, or you could do it kind of informally in your head. So that's just a whole bunch of different ways to solve the same problem. And students should be equipped to handle all of those.
1: Okay, so very good. So if from your wealth of experience, if you had to just pick one piece of advice to give students, Uh, who are preparing for a standardized test, what would that one piece of advice be?
0: Yeah, that's an easy one. It would be to keep track of the problems that you get wrong. Anytime you get a question wrong, mark it off and make sure that you keep coming back to that question at least once a week until you can get the question right on your own. And very important, it doesn't matter why you got the question wrong. If you didn't choose the right answer, mark it off and come back to it a big mistake that students make is that they dismiss an error they made as just a careless error and then they never go back to that problem. That's definitely a mistake. If you get it wrong, you need to do it again, no exceptions.
1: Okay, so why is that such a big deal with the careless errors? Because it seems like if it was just kind of a careless, dumb mistake, we're probably not going to make that same mistake again, right? Why the focus on that?
0: Okay, the, the, the problem is that standardized test questions tend to be very basic, but also a little tricky. So, what happens is that students often fall into the test maker's trap and choose the wrong answer. But once they actually see the solution, they realize their mistake right away because it's a basic question. So, it's very easy to then think that this was just a careless error. But in reality, it was not a careless error. The student actually got tricked. And, you know, guess what? If you don't realize you got tricked, you're probably going to fall into the same track again, uh, the same trap again with a uh, with a different question. So your best defense against getting tricked over and over is just to keep redoing those problems you get tricked by until you can get each one right on your own.
1: Well, that's really interesting. I did not know that. Now, on uh, to another thing here, how can students, let's talk about timing a little bit. How can students make sure they have a chance to attempt all the questions on the test?
0: Yeah, I get this question a lot. And the thing is, is that, a lot of students, they actually should not be attempting all the questions. For example, uh, let's take the SAT. If a student is currently scoring below a 600 in math, they shouldn't be worrying about the more difficult questions. A lot of students could actually increase their score by reducing the number of questions that they attempt.
1: How is that possible that by reducing the number of questions answered, the score can be higher?
0: Okay, so again, let's focus on the SAT. Um, if you answer, about two-thirds of the math questions correctly on the SAT, you wind up with a score of around 600. So, if your current SAT math score is below 500, for example, then you could improve by 100 points by attempting only two-thirds of the questions. So, in other words, you could just do the easy and medium-level questions and show a pretty significant improvement. By reducing the number of questions you need to do by a third, this takes a lot of the time pressure away and allows you to spend more time on the problems that you could actually do. Uh, a lot of students could actually increase their score 40 to 50 points just by giving themselves permission to focus on fewer problems.
1: Wow. So are you saying that a student at the 500 level should leave a third of the math questions blank on the SAT?
0: Uh, no, no, um, because there's no guessing penalty. Most standardized tests nowadays Uh, including the SAT and ACT don't have guessing penalties. So all questions should definitely be answered. But it's okay to just take guesses on the problems that are too hard for your current ability level. And when you're almost out of time, just make sure to fill in all the answers that you haven't gotten to yet.
1: Okay, I got that. So when taking a test, how does a student know this? If a question's too hard, is there a way for the student to know which problems they should be attempting and which ones to leave blank?
0: Um, Most standardized tests Tend to move roughly uh, from easier to harder problems for each part of the test. So let's take a student that's planning to attempt two-thirds of the questions as an example. As a starting point, they may want to plan to attempt roughly the first two-thirds of each part of the math test. And uh, as they go through the test, though, it's very important not to get hung up on any one specific question. So, uh, for example, students that are going for a really high score should decide in about 30 seconds if they should continue to work on that problem or if they should mark it off and move on to the next one. Uh, Students that are scoring a little bit lower, they can usually give themselves up to a minute to make that decision because they're not going to be attempting as many questions. It's, uh, It's really important to practice proper pacing like I just described during practice tests so that on the actual test day, this pacing has already been internalized and it just comes naturally.
1: I love that internalizing the pacing part. I'd never considered that. Now let's talk a little bit about something uh, that every student faces and that's the pressure and the anxiety that comes around test, t- test time and test taking. What can students and teachers do and parents to alleviate some of the anxieties surrounding these high stakes tests?
0: Okay, well, th- there are several things that could be done, uh, some of which I mentioned already. So like, first of all, uh, simply being prepared for the test is a really good first step. And we've already talked about how to do that. And we already talked about having a plan for pacing yourself so you don't get caught up on one question because that could be very stressful. And reducing the number of questions if your score isn't, you know, at, at a place where you're going for close to a perfect score, you can definitely reduce the number of questions. and That takes a lot of stress off, um, off of the situation. Um, A really anxious test taker might want to actually take a few extra practice tests before test day, just to make sure that they really have that pacing internalized and so that they know uh, which questions they're going to be focusing on. Uh, So a couple other suggestions. Uh, Meditation is good. Practicing just a little bit of meditation can be a really great way of reducing anxiety for many people. At, At the bare minimum, you could just practice doing a little conscious breathing each day just for a few minutes. Uh, this is when you just take very slow, deep breaths, and you put all of your energy and focus on your breathing while you're doing this, as if nothing else in the world exists. And uh, for those of the uh, for those people who want to like get a little bit more into meditation, because uh, you know some people really enjoy it, and it could be a really healthy thing to do. Uh, a book that I recommend is called Full Catastrophe Living. I like this book uh, because it's really a more scientific approach to meditation in contrast to like most of the meditation books out there, which are a little bit more spiritual. Um, I don't have anything against the spiritual books. I I like them too. But the mathematician in me really likes to see like hard evidence that this stuff might actually work. And, And this book actually has data to back up the claims that it makes. So I like that.
1: You know, I'm, I'm just starting to read some on that myself, that a completely separate ish uh, uh, subject here. But in a lot of business books, they talk about some of the most successful business people. Well, they meditate. So there you go on that. A little more evidence for you. Yep. Um, one of the a pragmatic thing too that I've seen is just not, it's making sure you get to the site early, getting all those things, not rushing around and getting yourself in a knot. Um, on, on the day of the test. Mm-hmm. I want to mention to everybody, Dr. Warner has put up on my export, some really amazing test prep resources. If you type in his name, Steve Warner in the search bar, uh, you're going to see some great things. Um, and you're also, he has an open download for everybody on 10 most common mistakes students make uh, when they go in to take a test. So that's something you want to share with every parent. How do you like people to reach you? What's your, your website, your Twitter, all that kind of
0: stuff? Um, There's a contact form on my website at get800testprep.com, or uh, you you can always email me directly at steve at s-a-t-prep-get-800.com, and it's it's pretty easy to find me in social media. Just Just do a Google search for me if you ever forget any of these things, and I'm pretty easy to find.
1: All right. Now I've got something interesting I'm going to share with you that I read in a book recently. And then I just read a, a little bit of re, uh, another bit of research on this from Harvard, actually. And I live in the southern part of this of the country. So math scores tend to go low or lower on very hot days. Uh, so teachers, um, one thing that's interesting, just as a sidebar, is to have your rooms nice and cold on test days for math, 72 degrees or, or below. Um, if you want to Google that research, the researcher's last name is Park. It's out of Harvard from February 2017. I thought that was kind of interesting. So I'm going to do some wrap up here. And then Dr. Warner, if you'll add um, some of your take on it, here's some of my takeaways from this session that I think are just super pragmatic. Short spurts of practice are more effective than long cram sessions. If you can start three to four months ahead of time, 10 to 20 minutes a day, that's most effective. If you've waited a little late, okay, you got a month out, then do them in short spurts three times a day. Uh, Working with students on timing during tests, helping students have the best mindset on the day of the test. And some of what we talked about with Dr. Warner today is really understanding how these tests are crafted because it's different than the tests you're taking during the school day. What would you like to add to that, Dr. Warner?
0: Uh, let's see. Uh, definitely marking off every problem you get wrong and redoing them periodically until you can get every single one of those old questions correct. Uh, the, that Students that are scoring below uh, the low 600s on the SAT may want to reduce the number of questions that they're attempting at least until their score improves to above the 600 level. And uh, one more, uh, don't, don't get hung up on one question. Going into the test, have a solid plan for proper pacing.
1: Well, we just want to thank you, Dr. Warner. That is just such great advice for our students. And I never wanted to end a podcast without thanking every teacher out there for all you do for everything for your kids, all the doors you open, all the possibilities you create for your students. Want you to please join us next time for another conversation with an educational thought leader. And thank you so much, Dr. Warner.
0: We are so glad you joined us on this episode of My Ed Expert. For more resources on the ever-evolving realm of education, head on over to myedexpert.com and get inspired by all of our authors' work through downloads, strategies, and best practices. While you're there, hop on to get updates right to your inbox because you don't want to miss a thing. Right here on My Ed Expert.